You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. So I'm just going to start with something a little bit wild. Um, my family and I were in Cleethorpes and Grimsby <laughs> yesterday, and I felt wild. Yes, you're right. And um, I said to Jeremy, I said, we need a vineyard here. We need a site here. We need something. And um, I mean, I feel like that pretty much everywhere I go. I mean, it must be a nightmare to holiday with. But uh, I particularly felt it there. And so if you're here and you just have uh, something inside, goes, you know what, I've, I've been there or I've got a heart for that area. Um, in fact, the whole uh, you know, county of, of, of Lincolnshire really needs a, a move of God and uh, needs some good churches. So why don't we um, pray into that as, as a family? And if you just have a sense uh, right now, as I said that, then please come and talk to me. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking vision as a church. We're doing it over a few weeks because there's quite a bit to say and we want to journey, uh, journey well, the process. Um, and this is the big idea that if I was to blindfold a number of you, which is pretty weird, so hang in there, spin you around and ask you to point north, you would all point in different directions. But by the end of this series, what I'm praying for and hoping for, and we're working hard to communicate and articulate, is that we'd all be pointing to north in the same direction, that we'd all be pulling in the same direction as a church family, that there would be, I suppose, the goal there would be a unity of heart, that Jesus himself would be speaking to our hearts, not just corporately, but personally. And there would be a real sense of togetherness as we embark on this vision. And I'm going to be talking about a number of things over the next few weeks. I'm going to be talking about our plans in terms of mission, in terms of multiplication, evangelism, some really exciting things that are coming up in the life of the church and the city. And we talk about revival. Uh, but today I want to focus on some some big news for you. And, and before I, I begin, I just want to read a few verses from Isaiah 58. And it says this, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. And he goes on to say that you will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the old, the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. I really believe, church, that God has called us in our time and in our day, in this particular moment, to be like 
that to be a well-watered garden, that freely we have received, now freely we give. And haven't we received an amazing amount for the grace and mercy of Jesus? And we are called in our time as we tarry and pray, Maranatha, for the coming of Christ and so long for that, it causes us to pray and to fast and to long for him that we would rebuild the ancient ruins, that we would repair the broken walls, that we would be a restorer of streets. I believe God has marked our community with that. There is a grace and anointing on us for that. And so today, I'd like to announce some exciting news. I want to get straight into it. It's kind of like, let's gonna, we're going to throw a party today, okay? And I'm getting into a lot of that with our kids, and it's just chaos we're going to throw a party and then we're going to take two or three weeks probably just to clean up the party and the, the day after. But today we're just going to celebrate. And it's probably the worst kept secret. Um, the brochure is quite a hint. Um, but three years ago, Joni and I shared um, about our vision to welcome the people of Hull home by creating rooms in our city in our culture, in our environments, in our communities, to invite and welcome people home. So our vision and our purpose and our mission has constantly been about creating room for people so that people can discover Christ, first and foremost. They can meet Jesus, and they can also meet and join a family, a community. And a significant aspect of this was our acceleration of our compassion ministry, where we wanted to create rooms of compassion to call people home to God and into family. And this time, last year in our vision series, we put on the radar, I don't know if you remember that, the, the talks, and we put some photos up. We were praying into uh, about buying or building a center to increase and enlarge the work that we're currently doing. And there was an invitation just to pray. And um, the exciting news is that this year, we hope, we plan, we're believing, to start building a hope center here on our land. And where it would be is in front of the main gates as you drive in, uh, the, the main gates in front of you, right in front of you, we would build a, a building. And we want to call it the Hope Center. Not a compassion center, but a hope center. Because we believe that this will give ultimately hope for the people of Hull. That for those who have started to think about quitting on life, who may just not want to go another day, that we can practically give them another day, another reason another hope maybe to live and to introduce them to Christ. So today, after three years, so it's not an overnight thing, this isn't after some pizza, Joni and I just thought, let's just throw this out there and see where it lands. Of praying, of prophecy, of thinking, of searching, of scheming, of stewarding and multiplying well what we have and seeking to not despise 
the day of small beginnings, but to look after faithfully the things that God has given us and to see increase. We are launching what we're calling the Hope Project, a hope for Hull. And our vision is to build a hope center here on our land. And I want to encourage you all to go and listen to my talk that I did at the end of last year. We did a series which I think was really prophetic in terms of preparing us for this next season in uh, Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 5, and I, I talked about justice and compassion, and I shared with us all, this is why it's probably the worst kept secret, uh, our desire and plan to do this, uh, and I just said, let's pray, and what was amazing is that somebody in the church um, was really disobedient and didn't hear the call to pray and gave us, including gift aid, 25,000 pounds in towards the project, which was a really nice thing to go to bed on and just know, God, I, th I really believe you're in this. And it's already capturing people's hearts. And I actually don't want to talk too much on the vision, the why, because I really believe in the fabric and the DNA and the hearts of the people of this church. I believe compassion rests and hope is there and you want to get it out of your own heart and life into other people's lives. I believe it's already deep within us. But that whole story of Nehemiah was that it wasn't just he was allowed to go and rebuild the walls and orchestrate that, but he was also the governor of Judah. And in that time and in that region, there was horrendous uh, economic hardship. And there were, there were a number of issues going on. The, the region had been in a period and a season of famine and the food supplies were, were scarce. Uh, the Persian king's uh, taxes on, on fields and vineyards uh, had increased. There was a sense of kind of robbing those who didn't have much to give and pay for the rich. And there was such financial despair that people were selling themselves and selling family members into slavery. And of course, all of this was contrary to the Mosaic law and to scripture and to uh, what was right in God's eyes. And Nehemiah's response is threefold. I love this. I always love this because I think this is where the flow goes in our lives. First of all, his response was very personal. And this is why I think all of this starts within our own hearts, personally. He got very angry and emotional about what was going on. He, he engaged his mind and his intellect and he pondered on these things. And then he went into a, a mode of accusation and where his will was motivated. He also went from the personal to the public and began to call a meeting. And there was a united public response, which went something like this. What is happening here is not right. Do you ever see people or see things that are going on in our great city of Hull and think that is not right? Because this was the call of Nehemiah and what God had placed in his heart and in those people. And the solution was to appeal to a number of things. First of all, there was an appeal to the conscience. Then there was an appeal to morality, what you're doing is not right. Then theology, shouldn't you walk in the fear of the Lord? They knew that God did not approve of what was happening to these people. There was an appeal to scripture. There was an appeal to their witness. And there was appeal to commitment. Let's not be vague. Let's not be tentative, but let us commit 
and act to be the solution to the problems out there. This is what happens in prayer. We go to prayer meetings and we go to our bedroom and we close the door and we get on our knees and we pray. But the moment we begin to get off our knees, God is giving us as the answer to the very things that we're praying for. Lord, please save my friends, save my family members. Lord, please save my work colleagues. And then you see them Monday morning. It's like there's a call to act with authenticity and integrity and to be Christ to those people and to offer to pray for them and to share the gospel with them. And it's amazing when we look at that chapter, Nehemiah 5, and we see it almost like as tracing paper over today's culture and our communities that we live in. It is so similar. We're living in communities fueled by fear, by hopelessness, by greed, by the love of money, by the powers of this world, by worldly systems, by ungodly leadership. And it's left people without money, without the basics, forced into compromise and forced into their own places of enslavement. You know, if Jesus came back, literally tens and tens of thousands of those caught up in sex trafficking, they would no longer be caught up in that if Christ came today. And in the meantime, though we watch and we yearn and we long for, in the meantime, we get to be the expression of the king and the kingdom to bring heaven to earth and to bring his rule and reign and justice and compassion and mercy and hope to the world around us. Look around, folks. It doesn't get any better than us. You may wake up in the morning thinking, I wish it was somebody else. My life's a bit of a mess. But it's down to us. With all our brokenness, with all our pain, with all our grief, with all our baggage, we get to introduce people to the glory of Christ. And so we are faced, aren't we, with our own significant injustices and slavery in our city. And this is not an issue just out there anymore. We have to say, as it says in Nehemiah 5 verse 9, that this is not right. Not on our watch, it is not right. And so in the same way as Nehemiah appealed to their conscience, their morality, their theology, their witness, to scripture, and to their commitment. I believe Jesus wants to appeal to us as his church in the same way. And so we cannot be indifferent to the thousands in our city that say through their tears every single day, in order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. We are marked, and I, mentioned, I talked about this a couple of years ago, that we are marked as a community by Psalm 82, defend the weak and the fatherless, uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed, rescue the weak and the needy, and deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And so we passionately believe that we are called by God in our moment. The river is flowing in our midst. And the Lord invites us just to jump in. And the river is only going to increase and intensify. The pace is quickening. 
And the Lord just says, dive in, tuck in. Think of your favorite three-course meal, just tuck in. There's a feast of his kingdom and his goodness, not just for us, but for our community. And so I have a list of questions I'm going to answer. First of all, why? Well, as I've said, this is the heart of God for mercy, for generosity, justice, for hope, for shelter. It's in our hearts. It's in us. We're marked by compassion. We feel really led to. This is something that's been in our hearts for a long time. We've talked about it for three years. And and so it feels like a natural build and progression has led to this point. We, We sense that we've heard from God Joni and I can't begin to tell you how many prophetic words we've had regarding this stuff. And I was just reflecting on one of the actually really powerful ones was a year ago, we were at a pastor's retreat up in Scarborough. And uh, a prophecy team came to prophesy over us pastors one evening. And uh, we, we stole the notes and they just said, look, we're called as a church to be like the Wilberforce, to be like Salvation Army soup, soap, salvation, we're marked by this to start to, God has given us and downloaded like um, a blueprint of how to reach our city. And this is a significant part of this. Justice for our city. I believe ultimately that what we're embarking on here is a gift for the city. This actually isn't for us. There's quite a few things we do as a church, which is quite nice. It's just for us. But this is purely a gift, a blessing. We want to announce to our city that we so love you because Christ so loves you that we're going to do this. We're going to bless the city with this. We want to Build something that will outlast us. This is about legacy. This is about our children, our children's children. And those yet to come, the future of the church. This is about making a mark in whole that cannot be erased. It's about leaving an imprint in terms of generationally. Practically why? Well, we're at a tipping point with our compassion ministries. Just Can everyone just look up there? That's our store cupboard for just a little bit of what we do. And so we're just a natural tipping point. I really felt like God spoke to us about this. There are times in church life you need to build. Uh, In terms of a faith, with a faith mentality, you build in supply, ready for the demand you believe will come. And there's, there's definitely an aspect of this. But I think... Primarily, this is about creating a supply for the demand that's already here. And so we've used every part of our building. And also simultaneously, we're growing. We're growing in terms of staff and team. And uh, in terms, and Josh spoke about this so well a few weeks ago. But just in terms of our compassion ministries, we're running out of room. We need more room for Uh, kids, for officers, for youth, for uh, so many things. We are literally bursting at the seams. And so there's a a practical tipping point in the reason if we want to continue to grow, what we sense God is saying to us that we need to do this. 
I think also by having another space, another building across the way, creates even more avenues for us here in this place. So our growth in other areas have been limited to do ministry because of the various other things that we have going on. And so there are so many avenues. And just one, for instance, um, is that I'd love to use this place to, uh, to do conferencing in, this, in the city for a couple of reasons. One is I think it is a great way to serve our city. Um, and as I've just been thinking about it, I, I've been away this week, but I, I saw some glimpse of an email, I think it was from the NHS, about wanting to use this place in a few weeks' time. There's a demand there, and we will never do anything to compromise our current ministries, but there's opportunity to create space in order to bless our city, to partner with our city, to um, also gain more income in order to finance serving our city with compassion. And so I just love the idea of the institutions of our city, those who have no interest often in Christ, giving money to the church that can help us in gospel mission. That's just the way he does it. <laughs> and I love that. And so it will create so many avenues. So that's the why. Secondly, why here? Well, we own land. And that is no small thing. To go and find more land in uh, the city of Hull and to purchase that and to go through all of that and the, and the journey of that, it would be quite difficult. So we own the land. And I want to give you, we had a, we've had also um, a season of looking at buildings uh, to rent, to buy, just looking at opportunities. I want to give you one example on Hessel Road because we, we did look at doing some stuff there and we will do some stuff there and I'll come on to that in a moment. But if we could just have a photo of um, the building on Hessel Road, just to give you an example, um, that's, it's, it's just, I think it's a, a salon, a beauty salon, not that I've, I ever go there, but I just read about it on Right Move. And, um, and, and so really, it's, it's on, a, on Hessel Road on a 460,000. Um, and if you were to see in there, it's quite small, limited access, limited parking. It would require a total refit. And once we would do a refit on such a building, probably in two or three years, it would be like, okay, we need to do something else. Um, Non-renewable in terms of energy, it's not a warehouse for storage, and it's not centrally located, and again, I'll, I will talk about that. But just to give you, we have been doing research at various properties, and that's kind of the price range you get right now uh, in terms of a building uh, such as that. So cost comparison, we've done a lot of processing on that. And then just to kind of dip into the spiritual for a moment is that I did have, uh, I think, a significant dream we were on holiday in France in, uh, in July last year. And I woke up and I said to Joni, I said, God has spoken to us about the building. And I just, it's like the gift of faith just kicked in. It's like it would be more impossible not to do this than to do it. Do you see what I mean? There's this flip that happens. And basically in the dream, and I won't go into too much detail, was essentially is that we uh, had this second building to the church and we were renting out and then the people were leaving that second building. And 
uh, it became vacant. And I had just like this light bulb moment in the dream of like, oh, wow, we own this land. We own this building. Hey, we don't need to re-rent this out to someone. We can just move in there. And what was really powerful about Gene, there was an automatic door, electronic door, from this building right next to the church building. And I saw people going from one to the other and back from that building into the other. It was just this constant flow. And I thought he spoke, first of all, in terms of resourcing and staffing. There's, there's, if, if you're to start up again somewhere else in another location, it's a whole new level in terms of thinking sustainably terms of staffing and, and team and volunteers and, and various other things. So there's a flow there, but there's also, I just saw this flow of people coming to Christ. They'll come and they'll get a pram. They'll come and get a food parcel. They'll come and get counseling. They'll come to a job club. They'll come to all the things I'm going to list we're hoping to do. And then we're going to say, would you like to give your life to Jesus? Would you like prayer? Would you like to come just there this Sunday? hey, why do I give you a tour? Why do you come and look around this space? Because a lot of people feel fearful about going to church for the first time. And there's just this sense of it all being on one campus. And so I felt like when I woke up that it was just this click and I went back and I spoke to the staff, I spoke to the trustees, we've gone through all this process, everyone is on board and it's a sense like, oh yeah, this is like the most obvious thing in the world, but for quite a while it wasn't. And, um, and that's kind of the process that we've been on. We believe this will be stage one of the multiplication, vision, and journey. We had John McGinley with us. He wasn't amazing a couple of weeks ago. And um, he prophetically shared with us as leaders the day before on the Saturday about what he sensed God was saying to us. And, and this, was, this is a repeated prophetic word we've had from other people, that God had called us to be a church that had not just citywide influence, but regional influence. And that this would be a, he saw this as a central site and as out, outworking a central vision, but it would lead to multiplication. He actually talked about the, the villages and the suburbs, and we've got a a service there today at four o'clock in Brantingham Village Hall. He didn't even know about any of that. And that's just the beginning. But it's this idea of like this, this wheel. And at the, at the center of the wheel is this central hub and campus where we've got church, we've got compassion, we've got all the ministries. But then there's these spokes and we'll be able to multiply what we have as a base to lots of different areas around Hull. So rather than starting somewhere, such as maybe Brandsherb or Orchard Park or um, Hessel Road, all these places that we've got on our heart and we know God is calling us to go to, and start something centrally there which kind of locks us in there, we want to create a warehouse of, it's like a well-watered garden in this place, and then we can go and rent shops. We can go and, um, we can go and buy buildings. The council, I know, will give us buildings all over the place, but we can start here and we can replicate and multiply what we do here and all the lessons that we're going to be learning. And so that's really, really important. Uh, I think Claire, who oversees our, our Grow Baby ministry, just before when went on holiday, I don't know where we're at with it, we can do a, a pop-up uh, in Brands Home uh, with uh, the Grow Baby ministry. And that's the kind of thing 
We're talking about it. Andy Cooper's doing stuff with refugees, and this is this is this is our heart. We want to multiply out, but it's awesome to have a central base. And there are other vineyard churches that have done this. And so there, there's Trent Vineyard in Nottingham, there's Causeway Coast Vineyard in Northern Ireland, and there's St. Albans Vineyard in London. And I kind of look to those churches. They're, they're definitely the next stage, probably the next few stages beyond where we are. But they all have buildings, church buildings and warehouses in locations just like us, which are in uh, residential areas. And a lot of that is for car park and various other things. And so these places are in locations like us, and they have their compassion centers and hubs also there. And they're doing amazing things in terms of reaching their neighbors and their communities around them. So we've seen it done before in other places. And also, I really feel that because of COVID and the multiplication and increase of our compassion ministries, it has removed location as an issue. Because people are finding their way here and they will continue to do so. And there are, of course, more creative things that we can do. As you know, we want to start a bus ministry. Uh, we want to spend quite a bit of money on, on signage on Clough Road. We're doing our bit. We got a flag. <laughs> Stage one. But I want something like Starbucks have. So we're going to, we're looking, we know we're going to have to... Uh, raise some more money to do things like that. But I love this idea that people in our city will have to enter one door here and go over their story once. And that will develop trust and confidence and familiarity as a place of hope for them. When mistrust is so prevalent, not just in their own life, and what they've experienced, but also in church. Why now? So why? Why here? Why now? Well, I'm reminded of Isaiah 54. Sing, O barren woman. It talks about enlarging the place of your tent, stretching out wide into a moment of barrenness. This is so typical of God. To call us to a faith journey in a season where things are tough for people. We're in a cost of living crisis. The very thing we're helping to help people with is the very thing that we, even in the church, will all be feeling the pinch in many different ways. But that's God. And I read the Bible and I look at the people of faith and I think this is just what he does. And it's so inconvenient, isn't it? Why, why do you know, God's plans are often so inconvenient? And we think, come on, God, just, let's just get over little, the little recession bumps we've got and let me just get a, maybe a better paid job and maybe just get my kids off to university but then we have other things to pay for. And it could be trying to just kick it into the long grass. But this is just what God does. And this is next level generosity, sacrificial giving. This is what the church in Corinth was known for, that they gave out of their poverty. There's the command um, for those who are wealthy in this world to give and be more generous. But what the Corinthian church was known for was kingdom, sacrificial generosity out of a place not of abundance, 
like the widow's might. God does not count amounts. He counts hearts. So it doesn't matter what you give into this, whether it's 1p or a million. It's about your heart. And that's so, so important you grasp onto that. We believe that this will be a prophetic statement to our city. We believe, why now? Because the city needs it. This is what we'll be known for. The church is often known what it's against. And we want to be a church what it's known for. And to say in action and with our giving and with our money and with our time and resource, say, look, we exist for our non-members is a powerful, powerful statement. We're a people in exile. We're in the margins as a church. And so I think one of the beautiful redeeming things God wants to do is projects like this and call us into moments like this where we can communicate to our city that we are here for you. So, what are some of the services we will be hoping to do with this project? Well, they're going to be meeting physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, mental needs. It's about moving from doing things out of a place of charity to tackling injustice. It's about restoring aspiration and dignity to people. It's about giving people who have often been placed on the margins of our society and often in their world and in their communities and family, not something that's second rate or second best. But we want to give you the best. We want to give you something that is excellent because you are worth it. And so we want to transfer all that we're doing now grow those things, and then develop over time opportunities to serve our community. So some of this can happen straight away, and some of it obviously will happen over time. So I'm going to give you a few things uh, that it will hopefully do. And there on the screen are just some of the stuff. So we're going to have a boutique grow baby shop. Anyone been to Pramland in Hull? I'm a big fan of Pramland. So it's this idea of not the guys going, going up there and getting prams down, and, which is fine for now, but we want it to be a beautiful shop where people can come and pick clothing for their children. They can come and pick prams and cots and so many other things, and we can serve them so well. So this boutique grow baby shop, a supermarket, giving dignity so we don't just hand them a bag, which is fine for now, with things that we've chosen them, but actually they get to choose their own stuff and produce. And of course, as emergencies, we'll continue to do all the food bank stuff and just amazing the amount. I think we're giving over 100 parcels a week at the moment. We'll have a big warehouse and there's this idea, there's this dream that we felt God speak to us about, just feed the city. It's this like storehouse of grain where we want to distribute to the city generously. So we want to create a big warehouse that's full of food, it's full of clothes, it's full of um, all the grow baby stuff, many, many other things. And that is also to be a central hub to help launch multiplication, 
but also to support other churches. <clears throat> so there are churches, and God's doing an amazing thing right now with unity in the churches in the city. And I'll come on to that either next week or the week after. But to be able to go to some of these churches in these estates that are really struggling and say, look, you just have what you need. And from where you are, you begin to serve your community. We want to be a resource church to other churches. CMA expansion, that is our um, ministry in terms of helping people get out of debt, which is just amazing. So to expand that, a community cafe. So to have a cafe very similar to what we have out there and where people can come and those who may be struggling with loneliness and emotional ill health and mental ill health, they can find a safe place in a cafe. And so that's why we called one of the expressions of this a grief cafe and trauma-informed. Again, a safe space for those who've gone through trauma. Well-being spaces, job clubs, a teaching environment. So the idea is that is that people will come in for half a day, a day, maybe a whole week, and we'll be able to connect with people in our community who need help, refugees, um, job clubs, budgeting, partnerships, rehabilitation, people doing workshops, teaching environments, counseling spaces, mentoring tables, dropping clinics. We'd love to have uh, doctors and nurses come in and legal uh, aid. And then this is something I will unpack a bit more again in the next couple of weeks. But the one thing that I do believe will benefit is, but I think God is, I really believe God is in this, is that we need increased space for our youth. And so the cafe over there will help release that, say on a Sunday, for them to have extra space in terms of our growing youth ministry. And it's amazing. Revival always breaks out amongst young people and the oppressed. And I think this building is about connecting with those two groups of people. A laundrette, showers, not for the staff. You can if you want. Um, toilets, kitchen, cafe bar, prayer room, clothing for school uniform and for people going to jobs so they can come. It's like a job club and we can give them a suit or, uh, or whatever. Uh, the warehouse, storage, offices, computer hubs. We want to connect with uh, excluded kids. And then on top of this, we'd love to use this as an opportunity to develop the car park signage and to have also garden allotments so people can grow, grow things. So what will it look like? Well, here's some provisional images from our architect to give you an idea. So I want you to imagine just in terms of, it will be about this wide as, as, as this building. And then from the length of it, from roughly where I am to right through to the, the beginning of the kids' rooms. So that's a significant size. And then uh, a fair part of it, I think half of it will have uh, mezzanine flooring so we can do things upstairs as well. So if we could just kind of roll through those, those images, they're just some, uh, we just started working with the architect, we're just about to put things into planning, we're about to do inspection of grounds work. So we've, we've got the ball rolling with things, and so it gives you an idea. I want it to look really spectacular, glass-fronted, and um, people can look in, look out, and it's a real statement, prophetic statement building to our city that we're here for you, and we love you.
So, how can you play your part? Well, I'm asking you, church, to simply stand in the gap. The gaps that we see in our society of social deprivation, of hopelessness, of poverty, of brokenness, of addiction, to stand in the gap. First of all, to give of our finances. Secondly, to ask to help. So many of you got gifts and talents and ideas, and we want to hear those things. This is about us all having ownership of this project. We've had to kind of make a start on some things, but now we want to invite the church into this journey. And thirdly, pray into. To stand in the gap, they're the three things we'd love for you to do. I just want to focus on the giving side of things. Um, We have employed a bid writer. And um, the reason I employed a bid writer is I, I actually felt for the first time in the history of our church, we did this building with our bid writer, uh, is, was an invitation to partnership. I felt like it was going to connect us with people and resources in the city that were all going to come together as a project for the city, by the city. And uh, she's amazing. Her name's Carol, and she hasn't even started on this project. But just to give you an insight, she's already raised for us £15,000 just for our food bank ministry and um, warm spaces. Thank you. Which is amazing. And so all she's doing is just taking that work off the staff. And I haven't got a clue how to fill in a form. Trust me. And so she does all that work. And there's no strings attached. I've told her about our parameters. I don't do lottery funding, anything like that. So no strings attached. Um, But I believe that's going to be Uh, really, really important. We have placed and saved for uh, and put into our reserve £75,000 as a start for this project. And um, we believe the project cost will be roughly £750,000 based on current estimates. Uh, But have you ever watched Grand Designs? So I'm believing for the opposite of what happens in Grand Designs, which I'm not sure has ever happened. It's like, wow, you've come under budget. So it's really difficult, but we, I wanted to come up with, it's an unknown, but an appropriate figure based on our conversations with various people. And so uh, we want to encourage you as a church and us as a church to give generously of our finances into this. And we have three weeks to pray. And this is what, we're not asking you to do anything that Joni and I haven't done. We've had a number of crucial conversations where we've sought the Lord, we've asked the Lord separately and together, God, what would you have us give that's generous, that's sacrificial, that we feel is, is wise, but is what you're asking us to do. And um, we have three weeks to pray what the Lord would like us to give. And then we'll have a giving Sunday. And so in your brochure, where you can read all about this, there's a pledge card. And in the pledge form, what we're going to do is we're going to have a, a, an awesome party that Sunday. And we're going to have some old school baskets Forget QR codes. We're going old school baskets. 
We might even have three offerings. We might dance around the building. I don't know. We're working on all the behind-the-scenes props for that. And the idea is, is you go, you pray, and as I said, it's not about amounts. Please hear me. It's not about amounts. And this is why we're going to be, and Rachel's doing it, encouraging the children to give and the youth. And so they'll be coming in, and everybody will be giving something. So we'll be talking about it with our kids. And so with our older two, it's like, yeah, you pay for board and lodgings in our house. And then on top of that, that was a joke. Um, <laughs> you, <laughs> what can you give? And even our, our LCs for, you know, I, I expect sweets to go in there, shoes, I don't care. Do some fundraising, do a cake sale, it doesn't matter. Let's just all contribute and do our bit. And so we will come bring those and we will put them in the basket and we will worship and pray and it will be absolutely stunning. Um, just for those who might find this helpful, um, as I say, it's important this is between you and God. You decide in your heart and advance what to give. And what we're encouraging is both and or either or. First of all, the more money we get up front, obviously the better it is. But we're encouraging, this is what Joni and I are doing, is we're giving an amount up front. And then what we're doing is we're giving by monthly a standing order over 18 months. And we think 18 months is an appropriate uh, time frame for this. And so you may want to do it both and, you may want to do either or, you may just want to do, yeah, I'd like to give some money over and above my tithe to this project over 18 months. And we'd like to encourage both. But again, that's between you and the Lord. So just to give you a breakdown, because it depends how you're wired. Some people can see three quarters of a million and go, oh, crumbs. Um, but just an example, if 200 people gave over 18 months, two and a half thousand pounds, um, that comes to half a million plus gift aid. Um, and so I worked that out. It's about, it's about 138 pounds. It's 140 pounds a month going out of your account for 18 months equals that two and a half thousand pounds. So when you break things down, that might just be helpful for you in terms of what you could do. But uh, one of the verses the Lord gave us um, personally, and I want to just offer this to you, was Proverbs 3, 9. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns, and we see that as like a barn for the city, will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And we felt like one of the things God was speaking is about maybe um, a month's salary to you. Maybe a month's salary, what that is, is that something you could commit either up front or over a period of time. And so you've got to think through all these things. You've got to think about, does this mean like the holiday we planned, we won't do that, or maybe the upgrade on the new car? Various conversations you've got to have, but it's completely down to you and God. We do not believe in this church in any way in financial manipulation. And so it's in your hands between you and the Lord. But we want to invite you into this, into this journey. So take a brochure. Um, it'll be on the website. Take a pledge form. And um, I will be referring to this over the next couple of weeks so everybody feels like they're on the journey and on board as well as the other stuff that we we'll be talking about. I'm not just inviting you, but I'm actually inviting your friends, your family, 
colleagues, I think a lot of people in this city will want to contribute to something like this that's going to benefit the city. And so I want to encourage you to kind of maybe communicate with other people. So big, big thing is about, not about equal amounts, but equal sacrifice. So hear that. It's not about equal amounts, but equal sacrifice. And I believe if we all do our bit, then together we can do something amazing. Now, I am five minutes over, and I'm sorry, Rachel. Um, why do we stand? Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And to stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.